This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Happy March Madness, basketball fans. Boy, are we living in our bliss right now. Wall-to-wall college basketball happening and... We, that's right, Around the Rim is your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. So we are getting ready to talk all women's basketball tournament. I need a moment to catch my breath. The first and second (laughs) rounds were amazing, Tarika. Um, First of all, we found out that we had more women's basketball attending the first and second round games, more fans attending the first and second round games than we've had since 2008. That's right. Butts in the seat, Tarika. Yes. That was so exciting to hear. That is major, major. So, first of all, thanks to all the fans that tuned in, that watched, um, all of the marketing and communications departments for these schools that have been out trying to get fans to come and watch games. It works. And it was such a big deal about location, remember? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was a lot of big deals. Um, so since 2008, that, that shows that the game is growing. So we're always happy to see those metrics. Another big story coming out of the first and second rounds is that Creighton, Buffalo, Central Michigan, Florida Gulf Coast, Virginia, and Minnesota, all double-digit seeds that advanced to the second round. Marking the first time since 2000 that 16 seeded 10 or lower reached the round of 32. That always makes it super exciting. Now, Buffalo and Central Michigan earned their first wins in program history, becoming the first pair of MAC teams to advance in the same tournament since 1996. And we have both head coaches. That's right. Buffalo's Felicia Leggett-Jack and Central Michigan Sue Guevara are both going to be on Around the Rim today. So we are super excited about that. But it's always fun, right, Tarika? Always. To see the double-digit cities, you know, like upsets, right? Upsets are what make March Madness madness, you know? So, although I don't know if you can really call it an upset when you really think about the the legwork and the, the foundation of these teams. Like, they are just as good. Oh my gosh, they are such as good. <laughs> we are going to have to reconsider this term mid-major after yep. uh, the women's tournament. So really quickly, fans, let's go through just a couple of highlights from the first and second rounds. First off, in the Albany region, UConn reached the Sweet 16 again, which we are so used to. Um, they beat St. Francis and Quinnipiac um, in the second round. We love Coach Fabry. She's amazing. Um, they put up a fight, but UConn advanced. Um, and then Duke is going to meet Connecticut in the Sweet 16. Shout out to Lexi Brown and Rebecca Greenwell, two players I have a ton of respect for. They've had been through a lot as a team this year. Um, Joanne P. McCauley's group has been hit with injuries and all of that. Despite that, they ended up upsetting the number four seed, Georgia, on their home court to advance. So they will take on UConn in the Sweet 16. Moving along to the lower part of the Albany region, uh, Buffalo, shout out to the number 11 seed. They have advanced to the Sweet 16. They upset number six USF and number three Florida State at Florida State. I just think it's so dope when teams, um, they upset teams on their home court. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not easy to do. You got the fans, you know, they're at advantage in so many ways, but Buffalo will advance and they are 
taking on South Carolina, who's also in the Albany region. Um, SE beat North Carolina A&T, and then Dawn Staley took down her alma mater, UVA, the number 10 seed in the Albany region. Um, just a quick note, Joanne Boyle has stepped down, um, decided to retire from coaching due to some family issues that she's having. And so our prayers uh, to Joanne Boyle um, as she is stepping away, that will be a hiring we will be keeping our eyes on. Moving over to the Kansas City region, the number one overall seed in Kansas City is Mississippi State. Um, they advanced to the Sweet 16. They will take on in NC State, who West Moore's team lost their entire backcourt last year. Let's not forget. Um, despite all of that, behind Chelsea Nelson, they will head on to the Sweet 16 to take on Mississippi State. On the bottom half of the Kansas City region, we have UCLA in Texas. That's right. UCLA took down American and also took down Creighton. Congratulations to Coach Flannery because the Clayton, Creighton Blue Jays had a great NCAA tournament showing, but UCLA advances as the number three seed. And then Texas, um, also great success in the first and second rounds. They took down Maine and then Arizona State, which is not an easy team to beat in March. Now, headed over to Lexington, Louisville, behind Sam Furing, who seems to just get better um, every game. We talk so much about Maisha Hines-Allen and also, obviously, about Asia Durr. But, wow, Sam Furing's been fantastic. So, Louisville will take on Stanford. Tar Vanderveer, once again, magic. You think the, the Cardinal, they aren't going to be very good based on how they start, and she coaches them up. They're back to the Sweet 16. The bottom half of the Lexington region, we have maybe a surprise to most. Oregon State, Scott Ruick's team, upset number three, Tennessee. On the Lady Vols home court. Um, that was a big one. Devastating. We're talking about that. Um, we will talk about that a little bit later in the show. And then taking on Oregon State, we have Baylor. So Baylor will play Oregon State um, also in that Lexington region. That could be interesting if Louisville advances to meet Baylor because, wow, do they have a history. Um, moving on to Spokane, our final region, Notre Dame. Had to lean on Catherine Westbelt, but they pushed past Villanova to make it to the Sweet 16. Texas A&M, Kennedy Carter, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. If you did not see her game winner over DePaul, the freshman is amazing. She had 37 points in that game over the Blue Demons. And now we are going to hear from the Aggies head coach, Gary Blair, about that winning shot from his freshman, Kennedy Carter. Sometimes as a coach, coaches overcoach. We have a habit of doing that. For once in my life, I zipped it. I didn't tell her to take the three. I really would have wanted the drive. But I didn't tell her one thing on that last shot. When she was on the row, I don't know how many shots she made in a row in that last quarter, but... It, it was pretty special. Sometimes you just got to let the kid go instead of overcoaching. Well, there you are from a national championship head coach. Let the kid play. So Notre Dame will take on Texas A&M. And then on the bottom half of Spokane, uh, Central Michigan, Sue Guevara, who we will hear from later, will take on the Oregon Ducks, where Sabrina Ionescu now has 10 triple 
doubles in her career. And she's also she's only a sophomore. So um, lots of wonderful things happening. The games will take place Friday for Kansas City and Lexington, Saturday for Albany and Spokane. So please make sure you check your local listings. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. First quarter. Okay, fans, like, we didn't expect to really make this happen. You know, you kind of have a wish list of people you want to get on the show during the March Madness you want to talk to. Well, we just happened to land Candace Parker. Welcome to the show, Candace. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Thank you, Latina. You did not have, you know, you can always have me. You need to quit. Quit that. Hey, hey, <laughs> Anytime. I that. Hey, when I. When I shot that text, it was almost like sliding in the DMs. I was like, you know, oh my I didn't goodness. know what was going to happen. Go. Here you go. Candace, <laughs> thank you so much for making time for us. We have just fallen in love watching you in the studio with all your coverage for Turner. You're doing a fantastic job. What has it been like for you? Like, what is that like uh, covering all the March Madness? It really has been an amazing opportunity. Um, you know, a, a learning experience. You know, it's hard as as an athlete. Obviously, I've played in the WBA for 10, 11 years to to be a rookie again, and that's what I am here. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not getting donuts and carrying coffee. They haven't made me do that yet. But just in terms <laughs> of you know, learning from the best and and seeing how things operate here, and it's really been a great, great, fun experience. Now you were having a lot of fun until we saw your reaction that went viral to your Vols. I mean, yeah. what? What in the world? They put you on Front Street, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they played me. They played me. So now I know. You know how they say the mic is always on. Now I know. You know the mic is really always on. So. Oh yeah, they're, they're <laughs> always recording you for sure. Now is this something you see yourself doing long term, Candace? You know, it's one of those things where I still hopefully have a couple more years of playing. And um, you just want to kind of test the waters and see, you know, see what you want to do for life after basketball. I mean, hopefully there's a lot of life after basketball. So got to prepare for that. And, you know, obviously I don't think talking basketball is work. So as much as I love playing and, you know, it's not a, it's never a job to me. I would like to have that in my next profession as well. And, you know, this is something I'm passionate about and, you know, I do it in my living room, so why not, <laughs> why not do it do it here? <laughs> yeah, you are a basketball junkie. Like there's some there's always like some random game on and then here comes Candace to Twitter. Like Oregon looks good. I'm like, wait a minute, where is Candace at right now? <laughs> uh, so that's awesome to see. I mean, you do that. Lindsay Whalen's always watching. Like I know Sue Bird watches a lot. Like a, there's a lot of you guys who are just watching because you, you love the game and um, your perspective is just golden. And you've been looking great. Sh- shout out to Shira Thank Eli, who kept you so looking yeah, like legit. And, and Mickey and She's everybody in Turner. So um, we talked about your, your Lady Vols, and I, I want to, well, your Vols, we're going to talk about the Lady Vols, and I want to start off our, our next part of the conversation with this post-game sound from Holly Warlick. Let's hear from Holly. About a win or lose, it's about young ladies getting better on and off the court, and I don't think they deserve half the crap that's thrown at them. So I'm upset, but then on the other side, I'm angry. But it's just a basketball game. And we're going to get better and move on. That's what you should do. If it means if it means something to you, it should hurt. And so those young ladies are hurting in the locker room. And so is their coaching staff. 
Now, that was head coach Holly Warlick after Tennessee suffered a 66-59 loss to Oregon State in the second round, marking just the third time in the 37-year history of the women's tournament that the Lady Vols will not advance to the Sweet 16. Now, this defeat was also different because it's the first home loss in NCAA tournament history uh, for the Vols, ending a streak of 57 consecutive postseason wins in Knoxville. Candace, hearing Holly and hearing hearing that information, what was your response to the loss? You know, obviously it's disappointing. It really is. Um, you know, as a fan, as a player, you know, as an alum, it, it's disappointing. Um, but I will say I don't think it's from lack of, of trying. You know, I think we, we put a lot of pressure as fans at, you know, what people should be doing or what things happen. I mean, it's the NCAA tournament. You lose one game and you're out. So to me, you know, something that measures, you know, the best team out there is a series. This is, it, sometimes it's just not your night. Um, Tennessee had a season that started off red hot. The sky was the limit for them to start the season. And I think when you have a team that is as young as Tennessee, handling adversity is the toughest thing. When things are going well, your freshmen are going to hit every shot, are going to make plays, are going to do things. But when things stop going well, that's when your leadership and your experience and your your seniors have to step up, you know, from a leadership position. And so I think those are things that you can learn from, you know, as as a as a program, you have to learn from it going forward because, um, you know, that's 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 hard. It's hard to hit adversity at any point in the season, but it's how you handle it and. You know, I mean, you don't know when adversity is going to come. Look at UConn last year. They were perfect the entire year. They had a little bit of adversity against Mississippi State, you know, and a team that was the most dominant team and has been for a long time lost. So if that can happen to them, that can happen to anybody. And unfortunately that happened, you know, that happened against Oregon State. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I said this after I heard that Tennessee lost. You know, it's so unfair, but I just think I never get used to Tennessee losing, you know, and I think that's something, uh, you know, we talk about, okay, are fans too hard on Holly? You know, people are saying, is Holly the right coach for this? Or will the the Vols ever get back to the national championship level? But I, I found myself in that moment saying, is that fair of me to say that? Right? Like, everybody loses, but there is just this stigma, this expectation that, Tennessee is not supposed to lose. Are you okay with that expectation, Candace, or do you think that at this point it's a little unfair? Well, there's a burden with greatness. We've won eight national championships. Like, there's a burden with greatness. I mean, anytime a team has won eight national championships, there's an expectation, there's a bar, there's a level you have to play to. And whether you want to admit it or not, when you sign on for that, that's what you get. Um. You know, I mean, I, winning a national championship, there isn't like a, an equation that you write out and then that's what you do and then guarantees you a championship. You know, there's the intangible things. You got to have talent, you got to have a little luck, you know, and, and that's how it is in the tournament. And so I just think going based on how they were playing early on, you can't really go based on fans and outsiders. Like, you know what I mean? Because yep. at the beginning of the season, everybody was happy. Holly was the perfect 
you know, it was a perfect situation. The girls were great. This was the best start since I think we were there. Like, it, it, I mean, you know, so it just it goes in waves. And I think at the end of the year, you have to look, step back, look at it, and, and figure it out. I know we have to make shots. I know, I know Tennessee has to find a way to make shots. Can't have scoring walls in the NCAA tournament. And our defense can be on point, but at some point, you know, you have to be able to score. And I think that that's been evident. The team that can defend and the team that can score – you know, and not in set plays and broken plays that has that player that can get them buckets can create. That's going to be the team that's most successful. That's such a great point, Candace, because I, I, I feel this shift happening in women's basketball in general, where it used to be if you play defense and you rebound, you could win. But now I feel like you got to be able to score. I mean, look at the teams that are in the Swede 16. I mean, Buffalo put up 102 points. Oregon put up 100. I mean, you know, we know what UConn can do. Like, it, it, we're just getting to a point where the game is, is growing, and especially on the offensive end, where defense just does not seem good enough. Um, which you got to have some, but you got to have some offense too. So, Candice, I appreciate your 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 thoughts on on Tennessee. Now, looking at the field of sixteen that's left um, on the women's side, we got UConn, Duke, Buffalo, South Carolina, um, Notre Dame, Texas A and M, Central Michigan, Oregon, uh, Mississippi State, NC State, mm-hmm. UCLA, Texas, Louisville, Baylor. Um, I can't see the rest of my bracket, but I'll shoot out the rest of y'all in a minute. Um, of the teams that are are left, who stands out to you, either player wise or team wise, that you think um, you know have a shot to get into the final four? And excuse me, guys, those last few teams: Stanford, Oregon State, and Baylor. Yeah, you got to remember Oregon State. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Uh, yeah, no you shame. Had to throw that in there, huh? That right. Mean. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it's it's special for me because I covered. I was at the SEC Network. Uh, this is three years ago, and I covered. So, well, two seasons ago, I should say, um, and I covered Mississippi State. And they were playing in an SEC game. I believe it was against Kentucky. Um, it was at Mississippi State. You know, Vivian's was a sophomore. Morgan William was a, was a sophomore. Um, six six, a, a, a lot, not as as in shape as she is. Pierre McCallan, like yep, yep. You had all this youth on their team, and Vic Schaefer called me out to the middle, and we were in the circle, and we talked, and he spoke about their culture and you know, what he wants them to do and about doing things on a daily basis and doing things the right way because you have to do them, whether it's this game against Kentucky or whether it's a game in the NCAA tournament. And you could tell by the way that they looked at that man, that the way that they looked at their coach, that they would do anything and play for him. And I think that that's kind of stuck with me is the impact that he's had on these on these young women's lives. And, um, mm. you know, everybody loves the story. So it was really fun for me to watch last year. You know, kind of like that was the year that they kind of evolved and really kind of came onto the national stage and mm-hmm. kind of put their potential to work, I should say. And so, um, you know, that team definitely sticks out to me. I've been watching them and, you know, obviously watched their game against South Carolina and the SEC Championship where they lost and saw the way that they handled it. We talk about adversity, you know, so we'll see when, when they face it again. So uh, that that's kind of the team that I kind of have my eye on. 
I like it. I like it. They do. They have this thing about them, this cultural. I mean, first of all, their attention to detail, whether it's Scout or whatever it is Vic wants them to do, they are on top of it, right? Um, but McCowan, you can't, what can you do with that? You know, especially now that she's she's catching better, you know, she's showing that she, she's got soft hands and can fight through some of the physicality. Um, that's hard when you've got her in the low block and she's taking away high percentage shots. I mean, whether or not she blocks a shot, she's taking away high percentage shots. She's got mobility. I mean, I've, I've seen her switch on a pick and roll and get out and, and guard on the perimeter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so... Yeah. I really believe that she's the X factor um, along with what William and, and Vivian's bring. So I agree. Mississippi State is definitely the team to keep your eyes on. Now, Candace, before I let you go, um, Lindsay Schnell wrote an article at USA Today about coaching and being a mom. And it, it has received a lot of attention because that balance is a struggle, right? No matter what field you're in, you know, we actually threw a couple broadcasters out there, you know, Debbie Antonelli's one that comes to mind, Rebecca Lobo, who I work with in the summer. I don't know how she does it. Like we're on flights and she's drawing up like math problems, you know, and texting up to her husband, <laughs> like it's crazy. And so, um, but you also have to handle that balance in a way that I- I've never seen, whether it's, Taking Layla internationally when you were playing over in Russia or, you know, what you're doing now and balancing and traveling with with commentating. And yet you and Layla have the best relationship. She's so well balanced. She's so smart. I love being around her. I love her dancing now. Like her, I didn't love her early dancing. Now <laughs> <Thank> she's like, <laughs> but seriously, you've done a fantastic job with her. What, what can you tell us about balancing being a mom? You know, it's crazy. When I when I was pregnant, I got pregnant after my rookie year. And I remember being so afraid to call Coach Summit and tell her that I was pregnant. Because, you know, everybody had all these high hopes, and I was rookie of the year, MVP. And, you know, we were, we were building off next year. We had just fall short of a championship and had our sights, you know, on the next year. And I was pregnant, you know. And so I actually told Coach Summit after my parents. Like, I, I was really afraid to tell her. And um, I called her up and I told her and she was like, this is fantastic. You know, this is unbelievable. Like she, first of all, she's going to be a lady ball. Like it's got to happen. Second of all, you're going to be the most amazing mom. And I was like, really? You think so? Like, you know, this is the scariest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. So the next day I woke up and I had a porch full of Tennessee strollers, Tennessee onesies, Tennessee blankets, (laughs) Tennessee bows. I mean, anything Tennessee that you could imagine. So I called Coach Summit to say thank you. And then I asked her, I said, you know, you do so, like a Tyler is so well-behaved, so well-mannered, so respectful to everybody. You know, I basically grew up with Tyler at Tennessee. You know, he was in eighth grade when mm-hmm. I got there. She always shook your hand, looked you in the eye. You know, how, how were you able to balance? And she said, you know, when I'm with basketball, I'm in basketball. And when I'm at home, I'm at home. And, you know, there's a lot of people are going to tell you you can't have a career in a, in, in a family, and you can. And she said, you know, the same people that told you you couldn't come back from an injury, you can't come back from these things, those are the same people that are going to doubt you. And as long as you put what's important first, you know, you'll be able to do both. And that's what's always stuck in my head is those comments that, you know, I, I 
And when I get overwhelmed, that's what I think. I'm doing the best I can. I can't do anything else. So that's the way that I try to operate things. Um, Layla is an amazing kid. Uh, I can't say enough, but just naturally how she's always, she's slept on flights. She's, you know, been okay with nursing at halftime. She's, you know, she's been in millions <laughs> of airports. She's, um, you know, learned to make a playground out of, you know, the hotel carts in the hallway. You know, she's, she's really, truly an amazing kid. And I've been really lucky to, to, to be her mom. And so um, it's fun for me because I really admire those that work nine to five. They can't take their kids to work. I'm, you know, I'm in a situation where you know, my organization really supports me as a mom and I can bring Layla on any road trip and things like that. There's a lot of moms that can't. So I look at it as, you know, sometimes it's an easier job. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just watch you sometimes. I remember the documentary they did. I mean, I'm, you're in Russia. You got the snow. Layla is learning all kinds of language and lingo and which I know has contributed. I mean, she's so culturally adaptive, right? I mean, everything that you have done in your career since she's been born has added a layer to who she is and who she'll become as a woman. I just think it's fantastic to watch even down to the post game interviews, which I have one with Layla. Like that's one of my claims <laughs> to fame. I have an interview with you and Layla, Layla during the WNBA finals. So, no, but yeah, I think that's uh, awesome. Out of control. No, I appreciate yeah. you. And uh, no, I thank you. And I, I really love that she can grow up around people like her. You know, I, I can't say that I always grew up holding my shoulders back and being proud that I was tall and had big feet. And Layla is like so excited about the doctor projecting that she's going to be taller than me. So I think that just says a lot about, <laughs> you know, what what people are around and what you grew up in and what environment you grew up in. And I'm so truly blessed and thankful that, you know, she's around the WNBA and it has, you know, role models. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so important. Lisa Leslie was one of mine. I was like, well, she looks cute off the court. I'm getting ready to look cute <laughs> off the court. Like, you know what I'm saying? I love it. Like, yep. that was my permission. Well, Candace, thank you so much. I know you're you're balancing a lot, and we can't wait to see what you're going to wear in studio tonight. Oh, so. my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and all your hot takes. Um, I don't usually talk men's basketball at all on this podcast because we're all women's basketball, but who's going to win the, the national championship on the men's side? I like Villanova. I, I'm I, yeah. at first. I wasn't a believer, and I've seen them play their their first two NCAA tournament games, and I think they live and die by the three a little bit more than I'd like. But man, if they're hot, they spread the ball. They all can shoot. They're you know they have depth. They have great guard play in Brunson. I like Villanova, but I would hold my yeah. my pick with a grain of salt because I picked Arizona to win it all, and that was over <laughs> in the first round. So. Don't hold it with high regard. <laughs> you know, up up until this point, I didn't want to tell anybody that I had UVA, but Arizona, they went out super yeah. early. So now I feel much yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, you I'm not as bad as Candace Parker. Look, I'm not as bad as Candace <laughs> Parker. Let me just, that'll be my new claim to fame. Well, have fun, girl. We appreciate Thank you. you. We'll so have much. you back uh, during WNBA to talk some sparks. Please, let's do it. Second quarter, Coach's Corner. All right, basketball fans, I don't know how we pulled this off, but 
as we head into Sweet 16 weekend, we were able to score none other than maybe the biggest star um, so far of the NCAA tournament. Well, the whole MAC conference is winning, but please join <laughs> us in welcoming head coach of the University of Buffalo, Felicia Leggett-Jack, to the show. Welcome, Coach. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Yes, we are so excited, and thank you for taking the time because I know you are so busy right now. But um, the fans want to know about you. I mean, there has been so much uh, tweeting and, you know, people just saying, hey, we need to know more about Felicia. So, of course, Around the Rim is going to bring them the juice. So let's start with your team's performance in the first and second rounds. You... Beat USF 102 to 79 to advance to the second round. And then you take down the Giants in Tallahassee. You take down Florida State, the three seed. Now, mind you, for those that don't know, Buffalo is the 11 seed. You take out Florida State 86 to 65. Coach, now that you've had a minute to take a deep breath, what were those two games like for you and your team? Oh, to God be the glory. I just tell you, you know, we're just instilling just going forward, you know, showing your, your, your womanhood, showing your conviction to what you, you believe in through this game of basketball. And these young ladies have bought in hook, line, and sinker, and they just really believe in what we're teaching them, really believe in each other, and uh, that to have us go out there on that stage and for them to show their greatness uh, on every possession like that, uh, my heart overflows. I am so excited for these young ladies, and, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years, and and to, to do this with this group of young ladies who just value the possession, value their journey, and value this opportunity to show their greatness, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm excited. Well, when you look at these scores, Coach, because I'm excited, too, when I see 102 points and 86 <laughs> points, I mean, y'all are putting up some serious offense. For the fans, give us just some background on what you think goes into that type of chemistry and that type of success on the offensive end in March. I, I don't know. This is our, this is an uncharted territory for us. So we haven't been playing as late in March, but we just said that we're going to stay true to who we are. We're going to we want to shoot the ball within five seconds. We want to be in a position to score within five seconds. And if we don't score in five seconds, then we want to be able to be in a position and go into our our secondary very quickly. And and then if we don't have a secondary, we want to go into a, like a a mayday situation. And uh, that seemed to have worked for us these last two games. And more than anything of offense, it's I think is our defense. Our defense turns the ball over a little bit for us, and, and then we, we transition pretty fast. So uh, they, they love it. You know, I play a lot of numbers. Most teams go 7, 8, deep. I like to go 9, 10. I say I uh, give you a scholarship. You should earn it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put you in there and do something. So our first game against uh, South Florida, we had a kid that hadn't played for a long time, but I know that she was a shooter, and we needed to stretch the defense. And I say your only objective is to go in there and shoot the ball. If you make it, you stay. You don't make it, you come back out. She made it and kept making it and ended up with 23 points. <laughs> wow. So really, I mean, that's a fun style to watch. Like, I, I I will say, it's definitely a fun style. When did you decide that? And I like Mayday, by the way. I think that's awesome because I know exactly what that means. So when you said <laughs> that, I was like, Mayday, Mayday in my mind. But where did you uh, where did you get your offensive and defensive philosophies for this particular team? Well, you know, it, 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 they helped me figure out what defense we're going to play because of what kind of kids come play for us. And uh, we have a very smart group of young ladies. Uh, so at the beginning of the year, we, if we thought that 
our defensive player, player to player because our our our, our zone sets, our zone defense is so technical, and so we uh, really didn't master that until middle to uh, of conference play, and that's when we started going to that a little bit. But I love um, you know Sierra and Stephanie and Catherine. They not only uh, understand the defense, but they make the other players better by teaching them in the locker room on the core after hours. I have five seniors that really uh, do more than their share of senior work. They make certain certain other kids understand what's going on as well. Well, most people will say, you know, what what where's this Mac attack coming from, right? Like with you guys, with Central Michigan, like there is just this all of a sudden. Okay, how much can we find out about the Mac conference? Tell us about the Mac. Give the fans some idea of how exactly does this happen that we get two MAC teams uh, in the Sweet 16? Well, I, I think that it's been, uh, been brewing uh, for a long time. Toledo has been great for a long time. I think um, Ball State has been brewing uh, all non-conference. I think they went 12 and 0 non-conference. Um, and then you know Central Michigan, she's been she's been good for a very long time, and so. It was just us. We needed to get better, and we brought in some really good players that state that's local. Sierra Dillard, uh, getting snatching her at, when she wanted to transfer, and Stephanie Reed has been great, but been doing it by herself for a long time, and, and getting her that two-headed monster is really, really, really good. And I love, love the way Cassie Cassie Ausler has developed as a fifth-year senior. So um, it's been brewing the conference. It's been brewing. I think we have been the link that hasn't been strong enough, and. Uh, unfortunately, the last couple of years, we've just gotten a little bit better. Well, when you look at the numbers in terms of, you know, teams that are making the, the Sweet 16, this is not just a num, a, a regular, um, surgent for, for any conference. And maybe that's where we have to go back and revisit this is, you know, the double digit seed, because that's what people are looking at this. They're saying, well, you know, we have two double digit seeds in the Sweet 16. You know, that's rare. And even advancing to the Elite Eight, that's even more rare. And so I think it may be looking at that part to what you're saying about, hey, the Mac has been coming on, so that may be more of the number we need to look at. But you mentioned Dillard and Reed. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about those two players who we've just fell in love with through the first weekend. Well, you know, Sierra Dillard is like, she's not only a great player, she's a just the most humble person you want to meet. You know, it was a couple times we got, in the, got home about 2 o'clock in the morning. It's a weekday. We got to go to class. And we got practice because we got to turn this thing around in two days. She's the one that's buying donuts and coffee for the entire staff <laughs> and team, you know, and bringing it to wow. us and saying, I know we're all tired. I was right there. And so I needed to um, uh, tell them the guys to be quiet. And, um, and she, she'll do that. And Stephanie, you, after a game, well, coming back late, you find her in the gym at 1130 at night with anybody, any one of the players, and also, like, the janitor. You know, and so wow. when you got people that work that kind of way, you know you have a chance. And then they're both guards, point guards. You got a real good chance. And then they start becoming contagious to our bigs. And now you got a really good chance. So it's you know you, you want to take some of the credit, but you got those that two headed monster right there. I think that we got a, a viable opportunity to have success. I don't believe in that number stuff. You know, I, you know I, I remember when South Carolina was really not good before Dawn Staley got there. 
and really turn that thing around. I think it's, it's an evolution in this game of basketball when anybody and everybody can have an opportunity to become. You just got to stay to it. You got to stick with it. And here at Buffalo, we're stick with it. We're sticking with it, and good things are starting to happen. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and uh, it's good to see, you know, programs, whether they call it Power Five or mid-major, that are in uncharted territory, like you said, South Carolina. I mean, wow, look at what has yeah. happened there. Uh, would anybody had ever seen it coming? No, I don't believe so. Fun. This, is, right. this is what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about you put your shoes on, you put your shoes on. Let's just go out there and find out who can become. And there's no disrespect to anybody, but it's just – it's what this is a game. This is not anybody can't be a surgeon. Anybody so can have Absolutely. an opportunity to have some success on the basketball court. Very, very true. Now you mentioned your 28 years of, of coaching, and I want to dig into that because one of the big questions we have we have gotten from fans is, we know that you were let go from Indiana, but yes. look at how your career has turned around. And I must say, I mean, you and I met many years ago. And it was yes. such a, an honor and a privilege because of your beautiful spirit and your positive attitude. But how ha- were you able to overcome, um, you know, everything that happened at Indiana to get to where you are today? Well, it's, 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 you, you got to have faith in um, uh, in what you do. You got to have faith in and something bigger than some some person saying you're not good enough to be a um, uh, head coach at your institution. And, and uh, my mom really blessed me with the opportunity to know the Lord. And um, we, we really kind of, when I lost my job, we, the village came around me. My mom, my friends, Joanne P. McCauley, Gail Gaston Corr, uh, Mariana Freeman, Barbara Jacobs, those people really, really came around me and said, you still have it. You have enough to be a part of something great. And then a lady named Anuka Brown came and gave me an opportunity to interview at, at Buffalo when nobody else would even give me an opportunity to be, a, to be an uh, assistant. And so uh, she said, I don't know what's going to happen, but go ahead and try. And then three months after I lost my job, I tried to become, and, and I got this opportunity here at Buffalo. And, and every single day I want to show my, our community and our university that I'm not taking it for granted. It's a privilege and an honor to be around these young ladies. And I want to do everything in my power to sustain this as long as we can. It's such a beautiful story because we, we see so many conversations happening about, you know, the hiring and firings of women's basketball. And we know in particular yeah. women of color, uh, women of color are often on the, on the, on the not so fair side of that um, as it pertains Correct. to getting second opportunities and even, you know, coaches who don't win at the power five level, um, you know, sometimes disappear, you know, and, it, and it's something we're seeing probably way too often. And I think your story is one that is just so inspirational uh, because you've done it another way. I mean, how <laughs> the odds, right. Of, of Buffalo mm-hmm. getting to a sweet 16 when you took this job, I mean, it's just incredible what you've done. And you mentioned Barb Jacobs, and I, and I know that um, you are Syracuse alum and, and worked there. Uh, you worked with Joanne P. McCauley at Michigan State. Um, Hofstra, also, you were you were there as the head coach, and so you've had so much success at your different at your different stops. But if you could give a, a young coach that's listening to this, or a head coach that's listening to this, some advice, what did you learn along all of those stops that has gotten you to where you are? You know, I, I had a lot of success as a player and as an assistant coach. And, you know, we did okay as a head coach. And I just kind of kind of trotted along. And I really, you know, really thought I understood myself. And I think the 
and looking back right now, the best thing that could have ever happened to me was me being fired because it made me dig deeper into who I really was, and it made me try to really uh, soul-search and what I would stand for if ever I got an opportunity again. And um, I, I wouldn't change uh, who I, who, whatever happened to me with the firing because now I, I don't take it from anyone. This is just who I am. I'm a loud person. I'm passionate. I, you, you're going to see I run around because those kids know that's just me not trying to show off. It's just me who I am. I'm a faithful follower, and, if I, and I, I share that. It's on my sleeve, and I share with the coaches who, who, who had the opportunity and lost their opportunity. Don't look at that as a bad thing. It could be a blessing. It could be a blessing in disguise, but just because somebody say you aren't good enough doesn't mean that you're not great. Your greatness is still inside you. Somebody else needs to discover it. you got to keep pushing forward to make it come to, to light. And if I wasn't going to be a coach, I was going to try to be a life coach because I, I wanted to share my story. When I got fired from Indiana, I went to the um, phys ed department and asked if I can speak to their classroom and show them what firing and losing their opportunity looked like. And I cried in front of the classroom. And, I, and every time I got an opportunity to speak again, I spoke six times, I felt like I got stronger. So I share with coaches that lose their opportunity. Don't hide in a corner and put your head down and, and not let people see who you are. Let people see your story because your story is going to be such a success that you're going to see that journey. And it's been chronological how well you become. Keep going. Four is the only solution. Wow, that is so powerful. I mean, I got yeah. I got goosebumps over here, coach. Oh, no. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. That was so awesome. Now, before we let you go, we got to take one question from Twitterverse. Tarika, who wants to ask uh coach a question? Well, we have okay. a question. We have a question from Myron. His name on Twitter is looks like Mistro. Um, and he said, I'd love to know at what point during the season did UB coach Jack have the pulse of her team and how that affected her coaching the team for the rest of the season? Um, we've caught, got a pulse of our team in June before the season even started when they were working out crazy. And then all of a sudden we go on the road recruiting in July and I do my calls into them. And, you know, usually one or two or three of them wouldn't be there when I call in and and have our team talk. They were all there, and they were all talking about the book that we chose to read, and um, and they were all in, inserted into what we were going to become. And so in June, I was talking to my coach, and I said, this group is different, different than we've ever had. And I say that all, to all my, about my other, all my other teams, but the difference in this team, I said, coaches, this team can win. They can win a lot. I said, we've got to be careful what we say to these guys because they're going to do exactly what we tell them to do. And so June became September, and September became preseason, and they just jumped on everything that we did a mile and a half, the 15 champions, and they looked at me like, that's all you got. I'm like, crap, this guy's is for real. And then, <laughs> and then the, the non-conference games took off, and, and then the conference games did what they did. And so this team has never relinquished their effort to continue on. And I can be all of myself, and I'm crazy in practice. And they hear the message and they become what we ask them to become. That is so awesome. Coach, mm-hmm. you have been amazing. Um, oh, one quick, I, I just think, last. I love this. I follow you all the time. Now you can be a part of this. My cup overflows, girl. <laughs> no, my cup overflows. Thank oh. you. We are, we have been blessed by your presence. Now, one quick question I have to ask you. Uh, what are you going to do with Asia Wilson? Oh, uh, we're going to play her. We're going to play her every possession. And I tell you, 
She's a young lady. I, I, I think is a player of the year in the entire women's basketball coaches association out of everybody that ever played. She is the number one player. And I have such respect for her for such respect for Dawn. But I think that in order to show our respect is that we give our, our best effort and, uh, and she's going to do what she does and we're going to try to do what we can do, but we know that we can't stop her. We're just going to try to hope to contain her just a little bit. Hey, I love it. New York versus Philly. Nobody's backing down in this head coach's matchup, right? <laughs> I don't think she would respect me if I did, so I got to respect, give her my respect by giving her my best effort. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. Good luck. We will be watching you and your team. Thank you. Thank you. Bless your heart, lady. Thank you. Hey, basketball fans, stay right where you are because coming up after the break, we will have Central Michigan head coach Sue Guevara, who is going to tell us a little bit about what G's O Pete has meant in her coaching career. But don't forget, we want to hear from you on social media. You can reach us with hashtag around the rim. I am at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at SheKnowsSports underscore. Please download us and subscribe and comment and rate using the ESPN app. You can also subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And remember that we are on Sirius XM 7 a.m. channel 84 on Sunday mornings. Stay where you are with more Around the Rim after the break. Third quarter, Coach's Corner. Fans, we are just overflowing on Around the Rim this week because it's a big week for the teams that are left, the 16 teams that are competing for a national championship. It's a huge week. Despite that, we have another head coach that will be participating in this weekend's games from Central Michigan. Sue Guevara has made time to join us. Welcome to the show, Coach. Well, thank you, Tyler. Happy to, happy to join you. Now, first and foremost, I know one question our fans would want me to ask you is, what is a Chippewa? A Chippewa is a Native American. It is a it, it is a tribe of the Native Ojibwe, a Chippewa, and uh, it's in uh, based in Mount Pleasant, and uh, it's a very strong Native American warrior. Well, thank you, because I read about it, but I wanted to hear from your mouth exactly, because not every tribe is the same. You know, there's different um, nuances. So thank you for that background, first and foremost. Second of all, welcome to the show. Congratulations on making the Sweet 16. Your team has just captured um, all the excitement in this tournament, you along with uh, Coach Felicia, who just left our show. Tell me oh, this. Yeah. What has been the most exciting moment for you thus far in this journey? Oh, jeez. Jeez, jeez, jeez. That's a really good question, LaChina. Um, I don't know if I can put my finger on just one aspect of it because, you know, prior to the tri- prior to the MAC tournament in Cleveland, we had a couple of really big games uh, against uh, Toledo and Ball State where we were behind and you know, we, we just kept fighting and we took the lead and won the game. You know, you look at those games that we played in the, in the MAC tournament. And, you know, I think, I think if I had to pick one, it would be, uh, beating Buffalo in, in the championship game because, you know, we were picked to win the regular season. We were picked to win, uh, the tournament. And, and that's, that, that's some hard stuff right there. That, that's hard. And for, to see yeah. our players finish the play against Buffalo, um, 
and winning it, I think I think that might be uh, that might be my most favorite. Well, success is is no stranger to your time at Central Michigan, but this Sweet 16 is definitely a different level. And you mentioned Buffalo. The MAC is on the rise. I'm going to ask you a, a question that uh, similar to what I asked Coach Leggett Jack. Mid major, does that mean anything to you guys? Because it doesn't seem to mean anything. It well, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told my team uh, as soon as you know we we were found out we were dancing. Never ever pay attention to the number. Don't pay attention to the number. That's what somebody else assigned to you. Nobody knows our team like we do. So you know what? That's that's something that you don't pay attention to. And I, I think I think what happens is. Other teams pay attention to mid-major. And I don't know if there's the lack of respect because it's mid-major. So that's why I say, you know what, forget about titles. Forget about what other people assign to you. That's all white noise. So there's no paying attention to it. We just know what we have to pay attention to. Well, you are the all-time winningest coach there at Central Michigan. But this weekend, I can't imagine what that was like from your shoes. Now, you beat LSU. You're the 11th seed coming in. You beat LSU 78-69. to And then you become giant slayers, um, even more so. And you go and you beat Ohio State on their turf, 95-78, to in a game that did not start off in your favor. And we loved your post-game interview. By the, by the way, fans, we are going to play that interview at the end of our show. <laughs> but as you're reflecting on the first and second rounds, like what is going through your mind as your team puts up 95 points on Ohio State? LaChina, when you have five kids that can all score – and can all hit the three, you know, I mean, I know we can score. And it, it was the same thing against LSU. It's the same thing against Buffalo. It's the same thing against Toledo. We know we can score, but it's defending and it's rebounding. So, you know, just figuring out ways, how are we going to stop certain people? What can we take advantage uh, of them? And, again, I know – I. I hate to um, sound like such a broken record, and I have pretty much all year. It's like it's not the focus on the other team. It's just not. I mean, it's a healthy respect. It's a healthy respect for for Buffalo. It's a healthy respect for, you know, the Ohio State and, and for, you know, LSU and for Oregon and for Ball State, all those. But, you know, what what do we have to do? And I know that's kind of boring, but... You know, there's there's really nothing sexy about there's nothing sexy about me, let alone about our program. You know, and it's just a matter of of taking care of our business. And I have a very very good staff that when we're breaking down film and we're watching the other team, just you know, right? Well, this is what we do. This is what we have to do a little bit better. And you know, sometimes we might have to come out of the box a little bit. But, um, again, it's, it's not focusing on the other team so much as it is about ourselves. And I know that's kind of boring, but that's about, I'm, it's called, you know what, LaChina? It's simple, Sue. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, Sue. <laughs> I like that. How many other, uh, listen, we love Jizo Pete. We're all into the things. Can you, can you throw, can you throw a couple more on us here on Around the I, Rim? You got a couple you can share I, with I, our fans. I, Latina, I cannot because that's understand something. 
some that, that's just that's just popping out of my brain. It's not something <laughs> that I cannot believe I said geez old Pete because I very rarely say that, but I was so excited. I really probably couldn't say what I really wanted to say is, you know, I I'll also say like holy Lord in heaven or, you know, Jesus God and Mary. I'm Catholic, so I'm praying a lot. I'm praying a lot. You know, Jesus God and Mary help us here. Give me give me some insight, Lord, because I need it. And so I wish I could tell you I have these one-liners all lined up, but I don't. I mean, hell, I'm 63 years old. I've heard a lot of lines over the course of the years, but sometimes they just pop. Well, we love the we love the one-liners. We've seen the socks. We've been following just everything <laughs> you've been doing with your team and how this has come to be. But take me back to Saginaw which I, I did text a little bit with Gail Guestencores and, you know, she just absolutely loves you, calls you one of her best friends. And most of the stories she wanted to tell me, I couldn't tell on, on, on air to our fans right she now. She better not. Um, she better not. <laughs> but, um, you know, you, you've had various stops along the way, including at Michigan prior to coming to Central Michigan and just have had an amazing journey. Um, just uh, – Talk about a couple of stops you've had in your coaching career that you think have been most helpful in getting you to where you are today. I think, Lachina, my first, my very first um, collegiate coaching job at, at the Valley, at Saginaw Valley, where, you know, I was the assistant basketball coach, head softball coach, intramural director, and cheerleading advisor. And you did all those because that's what you, that's what you needed to do if you wanted to coach. And I think for a whopping, um, I don't know, maybe $5,000 back at that time. And I will tell you something though, you do that or I did that because you don't really do it for the money, but because of what you get to do. And, mm. and then I'll tell you when I lost my job at, at Michigan, uh, going to Auburn. And, and being with Nell um, as her assistant coach for three years and, and our staff, Carla McGee, uh, Carrie Kermeens, Melissa Maines, that that three years that I spent at Auburn really helped my confidence um, to get my confidence back to, you know, being able to, you know, I thought maybe I, I couldn't relate to the players anymore. And, you know, just the, the kids at, at Auburn and, um, did I know what I was doing strategy-wise? Did I know what I was doing? Did I know how to evaluate talent? Did I know how to develop talent? And those three years really helped me because, you know, uh, Nell, you know, Nell allowed, allowed input and, and I got to listen to Nell. And, and, and I'll tell you, LaChina, you know this about, about Nell. She can, she can motivate a rock to move. And oh my goodness. I was just, yes. Oh, she can. That, that woman can motivate a rock. And I just, you know, just listening and then being around the, the coaches uh, in the SEC was just uh, unbelievable because of the, the game planning that you had to do. But, you know, I had, a, I had a great time at Michigan. I mean, I really did. I, you know, did it end the way I wanted it to? No. But I still have very, very good friends at the University of Michigan. And, and Carol Hutchins, the softball coach there, you know, when, when I got let go, um, yeah, yeah, I was devastated and I questioned everything about me. And, you know, she came in to me and, you know, she said, uh, you know, she said, you know what? You cannot be defined by wins and losses. 
you're defined on mm. on how you are as a person. And you get your you hold your head up and you march back into that office and you and you clean your office out and you make sure you have your head high when you do it. And I did. And it helped mm. me tremendously. And I remember Coach Dunn, Lynn Dunn, she she uh, I wasn't going to go to the final four that year cuz I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And uh I remember she called me up the same thing, you get your down here. You've got a lot of friends down here that are going to help you get through this, and you will get through this. And, you know, those kind of things, they, they help you along the way. They help you along the way. And to understand that, you know, you have a really good support system, and and you have to you have to reach out. You have to reach out to them. And I think there's a, a, uh, there's a gentleman, the late Judd Heathcote at Michigan State, he said, if you haven't been fired long enough, if, you have, if you've never been fired, you haven't been coaching long enough. <laughs> and it's like, well, right. okay. But, you know, those are <laughs> things you don't think of at the time. But, you know, starting my career where I, where I did and, you know, and, and 10 years at Michigan State with, with Karen Langland and, and uh, understanding the, how important fundamentals are. And, heck, Tara Vanderveer is a graduate assistant way back in the 80s, and that would be, you know, video, Tara, self-made coach. And I've had really good mentors along the way. And, you know, so taking pieces of each of them I think has really helped me in the position that I'm in right now at Central. That is incredible. And not only from the angle of we all fail, how do you bounce back? But it makes me question, am I being a good enough friend to the people who may need me right now? Right. Like yeah. I, you got to pick your friends up during those times. And, and that's I just I mean, Nell and Lynn are both incredible people that I've had the opportunity to interact with. And um, this just makes me respect them even more. You know, when you see how you can encourage and impact somebody's life when they're down, you know, because we're all down well, at some point. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I think, you know, anytime a colleague of mine gets let go, I will always text and I will always call, you know, and this is not the end of the world. You know, take, you need to take some time. Let's, let's, let's do some reflection. Let's not get, just jump right back into something because you know what? You, I mean, there's no substitute for experience. And so you have to share that experience and share what you went through and understand, you know what? I, I, you know what, Tula China? I'm going to tell you. When I was let go, one of the one of the people I reached out to to go and watch practice was Tom Izzo at Michigan State because I spent ten years at at Michigan State and he was there, and he let me come into practices and and come into meetings just to you know see what you know how was he doing stuff and you know it's I mean he does know what he's doing. So, again, you're talking about friends that you can reach out to and that reach out to you. And I just think sometimes we don't take advantage of that. And you take it and you do that even when you don't have to be fired or you don't have to be losing. It's the same thing when you're winning and you're, you know, or you're in the middle of the pack and how do you get to the top or you want to talk about recruiting. I mean, I think that, you know, sharing is is huge. It's huge. But you Mm got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't share enough. That's one thing I think in women's basketball in particular, we could do a better job of because I have friends on the men's side and they'll share anything and they talk a lot and it's not really, you know, it's just more of an open forum. And I think part of it is the way our game is structured. We don't have as many opportunities like, you know, they go to the LeBron James summer skills camp and they watch players and there's NBA and college players around, you know, there's just a more opportunity. Mm -hmm. We have the final four 
and and some you know on the road recruiting, but not really where all levels of the game really come together. And um, I, I think that's something we can definitely do a better job of. Now, Coach um, Tarika has a couple questions for you from Twitter. We've got some fans that had questions oh. for you. What do we got, Tarika? Oh. We do, we do. Yeah, I love Twitter. <laughs> so our first one, <laughs> our first one comes from Connie Lee Bills at Doctor Connie L Bills, and she wants to know. Um, Oregon appears, appears to have a size advantage. How will you adjust? Well, Connie, um, I know you watched both of our games uh, against LSU and in Ohio State, and they had some pretty pretty big people too. So I think that uh, you know, I uh, yes, are they long? Are they tall? Yes, they are. But I think that um, you know we're going to do a couple things that I think can get those bigs moving a little bit, get them out a little bit, and. You know, I think uh, if we want to make sure that we're controlling the boards, it doesn't matter what your size is, but you got to box out and go get the ball. Great answer, Coach. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. And so <laughs> we have one more. Um, this is from Rich Pukulski. And uh, considering that we just had uh, Coach Jack on our show earlier, he wants to know, what do you think the chance is that Central Michigan will be playing Buffalo in the semifinals? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to be very honest with you, Rich. I don't have a clue, and I don't even think about that. I just think about, and, and again, I'm going to be boring, 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 too, one game at a time. And I'm going to tell you guys something. When we were at Ohio State and we were at practice, uh, I, my dobo, Phil, he was on the, he was looking at his phone, and I go, phone, what you, or Phil, what you doing? He goes, well, coach, I'm looking to see when Oregon and uh, Minnesota play. And I looked at him, I go, well, what for? And then I looked at him, I go, okay, never mind. I don't want to know. So that's how far ahead I've looked. I have it. Right. You're like, I don't even want to talk about I it. I got to right? take a game at a <laughs> time, right? Nope, nope. Well, I'll tell you what, yep. all year before the season was over, they, everybody started talking about Cleveland. You know, we're still, we still have four or five games to go and everybody's talking about Cleveland. I go, you guys, I'm not talking about the C word. I'm not talking about it. And people start talking about it and I put my hands over my ears. I go, you guys, I am not talking about that. <laughs> so they finally learned. <laughs> Right. You're not even discussing it. Coach, I had one more I nope. want to ask you from Twitter. It's from Cheryl. Um, she said, Team 50 plays with so much heart uh, and soul. What sets them apart from previous teams that you've coached? And then she has hashtag fire up chips, hashtag GZOP, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I With this team, I, I will tell you, and I've said this before, this team is drama free. I have a team of 12 women that are traveling are drama-free. Now, listen to that. Women, drama-free, mm. that they do not care who gets the credit. They put in the work, and they do not care who gets the credit. They understand if my game is off, I know so-and-so is going to pick me up. If my, you know, if Tanara's game is off, I know Raina's going to pick me up. I know that if Presley is, hot, is, is struggling a little bit, Twin is going to pick her up. This team has a tremendous work ethic, and I've said that before, and I say that because if you are 15 minutes early, you're late with this team. We practice mm. on Mondays at 8 a.m. That gym is open at 7 a.m., and there are, there, are, there are players in there. When the coaches get in that gym, 7.30, 7.45, the whole team is there. And they already have a sweat. They're already sweating. And that's, mm. that's, that's my team, but that's also my coaching staff. 
So they're in there, and everybody's working on something that they need to work on. And you guys, that just hasn't happened like this last week. That happened way back in June. And that's why we have had such tremendous leadership by our juniors and our seniors and and, and now our, our freshmen and sophomores. But that's, that's the culture that this team has. Well, I'll tell you, I was inspired watching your performance against Ohio State. I mean, from Breen to Hudson, Kelly's an incredible athlete. Moore is just solid. I mean, she, mm-hmm. I, I just have so much respect for her because she's not going to blow you away with anything in particular other than her want to, her skill, and, you know, mm-hmm. just her desire to win. You know, I mean, she was up, she was outmatched very often, as we mentioned oh. the size earlier. Oh. But you there's wouldn't no know doubt. No, no doubt, Latina, for two games against LSU and Ohio State. And, and the other thing, the nice story about Tanara. She might have played four minutes a game her freshman year. So I say this all the time to all the freshmen and all the freshmen in the league. Look what happens when the light goes on and you put in the work and you keep putting in the work. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time more than you could ever know because we know that this is busy, but we're hoping that this story lives on because what you've told us about your journey, about your team, about where you are, about how you get here, you got here is so priceless. And there are so many coaches that are watching you saying, I want to be where she is one day. And you just being transparent about this journey has really meant so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are more than welcome. I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Thanks, Sue. All right. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, basketball fans, it's the fourth quarter. So me and Tarika have a big announcement for you, Tarika. Well, we've kind of been pitching it and kind of throwing it out there for the last couple of weeks, but we're not sure if you were really paying attention. So now we're going to make sure you have paid attention to us telling you that Around the Rim will be taping live at the women's final four in columbus ohio so you guys need to be there like be there it's free it's open to the public you'll get to see la china up close in person uh we're gonna have some special guests joining us who will reveal at that time um it's gonna be an awesome time with china i'm super excited about it we are going to have a blast. You have to come visit us at Turney Town. We'll be live Thursday, March 29th in Columbus. We'll be on from 3.30 to 5 live. And then on Saturday, March 31st, we'll be on from 12.30 to 2 p.m. live. So you get to meet Tariq and I and our special guests. We'll have giveaways and just an opportunity for us to say thank you for all your support. Yes, yes. And there may be some additional uh, some additional incentives that you may not be able to get on the actual podcast if you're listening. So you definitely want to make sure that if you can be there, that you're there. So you get the full experience. Uh oh, uh oh. We got tricks well, up fans. our sleeves. We got tricks. <laughs> you better be there. We want to see you in Columbus. And with that, that is today's show. And, um, Tariq and I just like to end with this interview with the wonderful Christy Winter Scott post game with Sue Guevara. We love an upset, but what we love more than an upset is a post-game interview with the head coach who was fantastic. Take a listen, and we'll see you next week. Coach Guevara, you told me today you wanted to see us after the game to talk about a sweet 16 trip for your team. 
What did it take to win this game? Christy, you saw what happened in the first quarter. And we withstood that first punch. We didn't melt. We just kept fighting, and we just come, kept coming back. And then when we got the momentum in that second quarter, you could see they got tired. They had some of their players with their hands on their knees, and our players saw that. And we just said, all right, we got to just keep running. It gets to be about guard play. You saw, you saw we were struggling inside, so guess what? Our guards took over. And with the confidence that your team showed, especially in that second quarter when you found hope and started knocking in shots, it was like a barrage, an avalanche of threes. What kind of mentality goes into coaching a team like that that plays with such a high level of confidence? Well, I think, Christy, first of all, there, we, there's no hope. There, I mean, there's, we, we don't lose hope. We're no, we don't hope we're going to win. We just keep attacking. And that's what we did. And, you know, we've got very confident three-point shooters. I have a great deal of confidence in their three-point ability. And if they go 0 for 5 or 0 for 6, they have to keep shooting because they put in all the work. So you know it's going to go. And then the momentum start going. And unfortunately, and unfortunately for us, our defense did a great job on them and controlling the boards. We talked about that. If we wanted to stop their transition, we had to control the boards. And when we did, we were out running. Thanks, Coach. Congratulations. Um, how about that? A sweet 16. Yeah, baby. Here we go. How huh? sweet is it? It's, it's great. I'm still, it's like, here. Yeah, geez, oh, me. Look. Yes, we're going to sweet 16. It's awesome. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.